Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey Winters, and this episode comes to you straight from the Oasis. Today I'm joined by the co-creator of the Bacon and Eggs Network and the co-host of Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. Today's guest is also a never-ending font of positivity. He's the coolest dad on the planet, and he's probably very upset about your favorite frozen yogurt establishment. It's Tyler Carlin. Hello! Hi, Tyler. Oh my... <laughs> I... <laughs> what an intro. I'm... <laughs> I just don't understand how this peanut butter and chocolate could taste so bad and cost so much. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's what do you, you mean gummy bears gummy don't go with it? There. Right. What, right. what was I thinking? Why did you give me this much creative control? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here, Casey. Thank you so much for having me in Elsewhere. I'm excited to journey yes. through the Oasis with none but you. Uh, and talk about what is deemed the most challenging question in the world, uh, as you as you posed <laughs> me. <laughs> but I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's. I don't know what to awesome. say. Let's get to it. <laughs> yeah, you're good. I have one. I like to ask one other question before we get to the big question. Okay. And that question is, I, I'm talking like purred happily. I have one question. That question is, <laughs> that question is, what is your first memory of a story? So like a book or a movie, what's your first memory of some type of fiction? So there's probably, like, I don't know chronologically where it would land. Um, but one of my first memories is going to see like a community theater version of the Velveteen Rabbit. I don't know if that was like before or after I played through the story of Pokemon Red, <laughs> but I, I do know that those are both like extremely early memories for me. And I remember, I remember like Velveteen Rabbit stands out in my mind because I remember going to the play. I remember like crying my eyes out and I know now that I have no idea what it's about despite the fact that I have a daughter and own like 40 copies of it because people were like oh Velveteen Rabbit's so good to read to your child but right. she's not old enough to listen to stories yet so like we haven't gotten there <laughs> oh that's great but that that is one of my my first memories of a story a lot of stories sort of already existed by the time that I was like conscious of like hearing a new fiction you know what i mean like i feel like star wars was always just on right that wasn't right. i wasn't being told like a fresh story it was like as i even as a newborn child that was old news yeah you know for sure yeah no i totally get it star wars for me was just yeah. always a part of my life like i don't remember our first time yeah. seeing it okay so the big question the question you alluded to what piece of fiction do you love above all others? Gosh, even even as I'm holding this book, I don't know that I I would say <laughs> like, I love I'm not this. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would say I love this above all others, but um, I really, really love Ready Player One. Uh, do I have to explain myself, or do I just give an answer? That's fine. You can give the answer because okay. we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. But and you also mentioned this how difficult it was. So talk about that. How difficult was that question it, for you? It's a very challenging question because I, I'm a lover of many many types of fiction, and I think what ultimately led me to be like, well, you know, I really like Ready Player One above a lot of other things. Is that it's it's like specifically about a lot of the things that I love about other types of fiction. Um, like I think about when Halo 3 came out and I discovered on my own there's like an easter egg of like a bunch of chimps hanging out in like the corner of one of the Halo rings and that then like two weeks later there was like a news article about it and it was like oh my gosh I found something really special that you know the developers wanted me to find and it, tracking the story of Super Carlin Brothers I pitched the Pixar theory to Jonathan from John Negroni's article we've been 
seeking Easter eggs in fiction our entire lives. Um, so that has just been like a, a fascinating part of fiction to me and like a fun communication with the developer that isn't, I've always had a problem with like behind the scenes work. Does that make sense? Like Easter eggs to me. No, okay. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't like watching how this shot was made or I, I've come to like it a lot more now that I'm more invested in filmmaking and things, but like growing up, you could buy all the Harry Potter movies and you could get like a bonus disc that was like, Ooh, how did they make this shot come to life? And all that did to me was like strip the magic. Oh, you know, like when I was in high school, we got to go perform in Disney world and we got to like March in a parade with our high school marching band. And in order to do that, you had to go like behind the scenes at Disney world. And that like strips the magic away. You get to see Woody rock walking around without a hat on, you know, without like right. the Woody head on. <laughs> um, and it's like, Oh, well, okay, I guess this is cool that we get to do this, but I I, I like the veil a lot more than I think maybe other people do, yeah. or at least I did for a long time. Um, so that was, you know, that was sort of like a, like the, the Disney thing was really a, like a, yeah, you get to do this amazing thing. You get to go backstage at Disney and see Woody without his head on. And it's like, okay, but that's just a guy. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's a guy that waves at kids. Like... <laughs> So, I don't know, it's it's very interesting to me. And so, I like Easter eggs because I feel like it's a way for the developer to, you know, pull you behind the curtain without taking you backstage, you know? Right. Okay. I get it. I understand it. I for me it's very different. For me like I don't know what it is, but I can separate the two. Like I can separate the movie or the book and I can separate the that from the behind the scenes. I don't know I don't know why why that is. I and maybe this is just a way that we differ. I just love that stuff, but that's okay. I, I've come to like it more and more. The yeah. more I get into the world of film and the more I get into, you know, the all of everything that is in the in terms of storytelling, I, I'm more fascinated by how it's made. But growing up, I always felt like, why would you show me how they made Voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head. Why right. why can't I just why can't I just believe that this story happened? Like the way I think about Star Wars is like there's not a bad Star Wars film because they're just telling what happened. Yeah. It's not right. like they could have told a bad story. Right. It's the Bible, right? R2D2 is <laughs> just narrating it. It's just the real thing that happened and right. R2 is narrating it. <laughs> it does, right. It doesn't doesn't matter if oh this part of like Anakin's life and how he got here was kind of weird and unusual. It's like yeah, but that's how it happened. What do you what do you right. want them to do? It's true, it? all of it. Han said it. It's true. Right, so. <laughs> right, exactly. It occurred a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No one made those movies. I think for me, it the behind the scenes stuff comes from my dad. Like um, I grew up in a house that was a lot like your co-host Ethan's where it was just old movies were always on and my dad was always talking about like oh so and so made this movie my first memory of that is Ray Harryhausen who did a lot of the old stop motion like creatures and that was the first time mm -hmm. I was really aware of like oh these aren't like just stories that happen like people made these and specific people right um so maybe part of it is just like the environment you grow up in or I don't know. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I, I, I know that I always look at something like stop motion and I'm like, there's no way they took a frame for each thing, right? That would take forever. Surely there's a way to automate this. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, that's that's like that's why it's so amazing right. is that they didn't. Yeah. You know, it is. It really did happen that way. Right. Uh, yeah. So I definitely get where you're coming from there. So back to Ready Player One. How, how would you describe Ready Player One to someone who hasn't read it before? 
Well, I think that's what's interesting about Ready Player One is there's there's different types of approaches to it. I think if you just pick the book up and you read it cover to cover and you were not somebody that dives deep into the underlying meaning of things, what I love about Ready Player One is that, I mean, it's a story about a kid who lives in a world where instead of the cell phone industry taking over in our dystopian future, it was the video game industry that really took hold and changed the way the future occurs. Um, so as a result, instead of living in the world that we live in, where we're connected through, you know, our, our black mirrors, so to speak, we are connected through video games. We're connected through like a global and a connected network called the Oasis. And when the creator of that died, he like put out like a contest, like a game basically to as his will. And the person who wins that game gets his last will and testament which is worth i think like 240 billion dollars and we're following the story of the kid that does it i think part of the coolness of ready player one is just like how enmeshed in it's just dripping with nostalgia and and part of the how awesome it is is just the it's like that pure imagination of the characters can create their own spaces that speak to them so what what would your oasis look like your hangout your your place like what would be in there i feel like so H has the the basement, which is this room that's supposed to look like a, you know, mid to late 80s basement where you play games and there's like D&D modules and there's an old like round face television and uh, you know, comics all over the place and like wood paneled walls. Gosh, I can so picture the right, wood paneled right, walls. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like <laughs> I feel like if you take that concept and move it 15 years forward, you have found my like man cave oasis. Uh <laughs> You know, it would be, it would be very similar, but instead of playing Galaga and Joust, you'd be playing Halo 2. Yeah. And that would be, you know, there would be an Xbox 360. And that was, cause that was, if, if like, if gaming took over my world and was everything that ever mattered to me, that would be the era of gaming that I feel like I spent the most time in. You know, I feel yeah. like if you looked at my logged hours on all games I've ever played, it's like Battlefront 2, Halo 2, Halo 3. And then the Pokemon series, of course. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, if if I get to create any world that I want, I think a lot about how my father-in-law has a man cave. And you go down there and it's sports memorabilia. It's like signatures from professional athletes and bats from Louisville. And, you know, it's it's sports. And, and I love sports, don't get me wrong. But I feel like my world would be much more dominated by film. And, and fictions there would be a lot more video games and comic books and yeah. a lot of the things that I, I want to collect but I just feel like I can't spend money on or I don't have space to put in uh, looking over at like my bookshelf right now I've got you know like Lego figures and uh, a lot of interesting Marvel stuff and and some Halo stuff which Halo has come up a lot in this conversation and I feel like I, I haven't played Halo in years. I don't know why I'm thinking about this so much, but it's just when I think about gaming, that's sort of right. what comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's I feel like that's where, where my oasis would land. There would be a lot of Star Wars stuff. Yeah. I really like Star Wars. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I, like, I And I keep coming back to that. And I, like, the reason I really like Star Wars, it almost tracks with the same reason I really like Ready Player One is in the... When you live in like a Super Carlin Brothers household or any way associated with SCB, you have to be like an authority on the, you know, the six major food groups of fiction. You've got Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, uh, Pixar, Star Wars, and the five major food groups of fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I feel like 
I feel like Star Wars is what I'm least in authority on and what I like the most. Yeah. And those may be the, like for the same reason is that like every time, like I haven't watched Rebels or any of the animated shows for that matter. And just to think there's like still more content out there that I can consume makes me so happy. Right. Uh, because if I have to read Harry Potter through again, which is a great series, but it's just like, God, that takes a long time to right. read something I've already read. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. It's funny because when I asked you this question, you were kind of deliberating with me like, oh, I could do this. I could talk about Star Wars. I could talk about this. And I was trying so hard to not like, I was trying so hard to be impartial because I, I wanted it to be about what you wanted to talk about. But part of me was like, right. I know Star Wars is going to come up anyways. So, because so, just <laughs> when you and I talk, we end up talking about Star Wars. And so, yeah. Right. <laughs> So, so I know, like, is that what you were, I know you said you wanted to be impartial and you didn't want to make a decision. Were you hoping that I would say like, oh, attack, uh, revenge of the Sith, obviously is what I want to talk about right now. That is my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, it's really hard because these interviews, what's been fun so far is the ones that I've done have been about things that I don't know very much about at all. Like, um, you know, Ethan talked about American gods and Becca talked about Percy Jackson. And so those were fun because I really allowed them to just gush about their favorite thing and I didn't really insert myself much at all and they're I'm really proud of those episodes because it really is all about them and so when Star Wars comes up I have a tendency to want to talk more about it and I don't want these to be about me I'd rather it be about you and so that's why it was so important to me to be like impartial about it and and honestly that's why I'm glad you picked Ready Player One because it is something I'm familiar with but um I don't know that I've necessarily given in like a ton of thought to if that makes sense yeah that does make sense I do really love this book I listened to it today it's so good is it uh, Will Wheaton that narrates the audiobook? Is that right? It, it, it is Will Wheaton that narrates. And I'll say this about Will Wheaton. He does a, a fantastic job. Literally knocks it out of the park. Best narrator of like any audiobook I've ever listened to. I, yeah. I own a copy of the book. You'll notice it is the film copy, which yeah. I hate that I own. Um, <laughs> like there are so many good alternate copies of this book covers. Uh, and this is like so incredibly bad. Yeah. Uh, that I wish that I had a different cover of it. Right. Uh, but I don't. And actually what happened was like, I asked for it for Christmas last year and I was like, but I want the original cover. Yeah. And I think whoever ended up buying it for me was like, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to buy the one that's available, <laughs> which is fine. Like, right. I, like I, now I own it. I've never, I've never sat down and read it with my eyeballs. I've only ever listened to the audiobook. but yeah. I would like for my shelf, the original copy. Right. Um, but Will Wheaton does so good, but there are just a few moments with Will Wheaton where I feel like maybe it's a generational thing, but he, he would deliver a line where I'm like, I don't think that's what Ernest Klein was going for here. Oh, interesting. Or that's not how I would have interpreted it. But yeah. that being said, it is it is extremely good. And even when I do like read these passages with my eyeballs, I hear them on Will Wheaton's voice. Yeah. So... That's funny. I, I don't like the font that he used for the chapter numbers. I can tell you that right now. This is the first <laughs> time I'm looking at it. I think it's terrible. <laughs> What's funny is the very first episode of your podcast, Bacon and Eggs, I listened to, I think was the Ready Player One, um, the movie. With obviously. Jonathan Carlin. Yeah. And it wasn't on purpose. It was, I think I was just looking for a, I, I found your podcast through a, a natural way. I was just looking for a podcast about movies. Um, and I found you guys that way. And I think it was just the latest one that had you had posted. But so I thought it was funny that. Right. I mean, it doesn't, it's just a weird coincidence, but interesting that we're talking about it now. So the book, at least, um, 
on the movie, go for it. I let me. Can I just real quick? Yeah, of the course. The movie I've thought about a lot. I I'm reading it right now. I'm rereading it. I'm about a quarter of the way through. Um, I don't picture the film's characters at all, which I think speaks volumes to. I think that if they tried to make the movie that I wanted them to make, it would have been like a a Netflix series with an absurd budget or like an HBO show. Yeah. Um, and since I feel like they knew that that wasn't possible. Like, the movie takes place, and most of the pop culture references are, like, mid-90s to early 2000s. They're yeah. not the 1980s. Right. Which I thought was interesting, but I also yeah. think it speaks to a generation seeing it seven years after the original book was released, also marketing it to a generation that sees movies instead of reads books. So, like, I think it's interesting the movie came out the way that it did. I don't love the movie. I don't hate it. I probably won't, like, purchase it. It's been out for a while, and I don't have it. Um but it does not taint my enjoyment of the book in a way that I thought it might. Right. No, I totally get it. I feel the same way. I'm kind of in the middle on the movie. It does deviate enough that they do feel like separate things. You know, you can love one and right. not care that much about the other, you know, like you were saying. Right. Um, what you talked a little bit about this. Why, why does Ready Player One resonate so much with you personally? I know you talked about the Easter egg thing. Are there other reasons? Well, the Easter egg, there is so the easter egg thing is what made me like love it the first time i listened to it like one of the things i love about this book is the audiobook is about 13 hours long which is a really good length for me because especially the way that it's written i feel like i exist in it for a long time you're like living in it as opposed to like uh but i'm still engaged as opposed to like harry potter where it's kind of like action 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 yeah and then your your feeling of living of it in it um it hits better in like the fifth and sixth books which are like it's right. infinitely long. Right. Um, but like in the first few books, it's like, then they met Hagrid and then they did this and then they did that. Um, there are parts of this book where I'm like, man, I, I know what like Wade's daily routine feels like. And I'm, I'm part of that. But what I really love about the book is I like when I was in college, I studied philosophy and religious studies and, and dystopian literature. And this book speaks a lot to philosophy. Oh yeah. Religion and dystopian literature. So it's like a dystopian future where there's a massive energy crisis and people, you know, have to escape the real world to go into the oasis. And that is the only way that they live. And in the first chapter of the book, and we talked about this before the show, there's a chapter that's like, just goes over, you know, religion means nothing. And all of, all of this, I'll read the chapter to you because I think it's really interesting. Um, I wish someone had just told me the truth right up front. As soon as I was old enough to understand it, I wish someone had just said, here's the deal. Wade, you're something called a human being. That's a really smart kind of animal. Like every other animal on this planet, we're descended from a single-celled organism that lived millions of years ago. This happened by a process called evolution, and you'll learn more about it later. But trust me, that's how we all really got here. There's proof of it everywhere, buried in the rocks. That story you heard about how we were all created by a super powerful dude named God who lives up in the sky? Total bull****. The whole God thing is actually an ancient fairy tale that people have been telling one another for thousands of years. We made it all up, like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Oh, and by the way, there's no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny. Also bull****. Sorry, kid. Deal with it. <laughs> and I love this passage because I remember the first time I reading it, first time reading it being like, wow, Ernest Klein is like just using this first chapter to be like, okay, I just want to let you know what kind of author I am. I'm super anti-religion. I'm super atheist. I'm super this, that, and the other. But the story is about how the creator of the Oasis, who started with single pixel programs and text-based games, creates an entire universe 
for people to live in and then passes it on to Wade. So like it is the story of God, his creation and his child and the future of humanity as we know it and like abandoning an old world for a new world. And it's such an interesting overarching theme throughout the entire story that like it's so fun to to look through and pick up pieces of it and at the end of it wade becomes god you know he he runs the oasis the way that he wants to he sees the flaws in the system and passes what you know god created to a new generation and i think that that is like such a a fascinating approach to the work of fiction and the myths within it uh because that's sort of what i've always studied you know i i was always sort of dissatisfied with uh the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the whole Narnia series, which is what I really studied in college. Um, like, I took uh, my degree was in philosophy and religious studies, and uh, as part of that, you have to take two 400-level undergraduate courses, one writing, like, a philosophical essay, and one studying a philosopher. And the philosopher I had was C.S. Lewis, and what we studied of his was not his, like, traditional philosophical work, was actually his fiction and his mythos, mm. um, which was really, really interesting. Uh, but as a result, my, like my issue with the line, the witch of the wardrobe is it's just so on the nose. It's just so like, yeah. And Aslan is God and he died. And a few days later rose again, you know, it's just so like, okay, cool, neat. This was hard to pull together. And what I like about ready player one is that I feel like even after I finished it the first time, it didn't make sense to me. And then as I revisited it, I was like, wow, this is really something special and something impressive that Ernest Klein has pulled together. And when you try to find novels that are similar, like even other books that Ernest Klein has written, like Armada is just God awful. It's garbage. Um, so there's not, there's not a lot out there similar to it. Yeah. So that's, that's something I really, really like about the book. And every time I read it on the other side of that, every time I read it, you know, it's full of pop culture references, but I grew up in the 1990s and early 2000s. I didn't grow up in the eighties. So there's this rich history of culture that I get to learn more about because I don't know it, you know, like the Anorak's invitation begins with dead man's party by Ongo Boingo. And that's like, just not a song I'd ever even heard of when I first <laughs> yeah. picked the book up. I don't know if that's, you know, uncommon or if that's something that everybody knows, but every time I play it in my car, people are like, Oh, what is this eighties jam? So I feel like, uh, you know, it's something that, that not everybody who was born after 1989 knows. Um, so there's like this wealth of interesting pop culture that I get to delve into. And I feel like the 1980s since 2011 have been like a huge retro push, um, especially with things like Stranger Things and things like that, where now, you know, we, we've come sort of full circle where Stranger Things is super popular and, and Dungeons and Dragons is like the, the future of gaming entertainment. And yeah, so there's there's lots of reasons I really, really like this book. And I think that it has so much to offer. And every time I read it, I get something else out of it. I love it. I think that's so interesting that um, the way you're, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing basically you saying is that um, although maybe a common criticism of ready player one might be that it's like too nostalgic but from your perspective it wasn't necessarily nostalgic so much as oh this is more stuff i can learn about that is cool and nerdy but i didn't know about before it's not really necessarily nostalgia it's it's more just new stuff for you like is that, it, it, is that yeah, yeah it is new stuff for me yeah, yeah. that's awesome I, um, I I think Ernest Klein, I don't know that him and I would sit down and have like a comfortable conversation. I think that he would probably be too nostalgic. Mm. Um, like I get frustrated at people who were like, oh, I grew up in the 1990s. It was the best super soakers are my life and pogs and Tamagotchi. It's like, okay, guys, cool it. Yeah. <laughs> Angry Birds is straight up better than Tamagotchi. 
Uh, have you tried Animal Crossing? What they've got now is amazing. Uh, but I, I really like uh, his wealth of knowledge and what he brings to the table. And, you know, every, like I said, every time I read it, I try to listen to the songs that it talks about. It goes into, like, the history of this amazing Rush album that was, like, which, when it brings it up in the book, is totally pointless. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like this whole huge story, and it's got this great history and fiction to it. And it's it just, it, like like I said, it introduces a lot of new stuff to me that I otherwise wouldn't have had. And instead of being like, uh, sort of like cynical and frustrated and like, Oh, that's outdated and stupid. I try to find, you know, why was that interesting at the time? And what have we done since then? That's interesting. I don't know. That's, that's just sort of how my brain wires and approaches it. Yeah, no, I get it. And it's, I think it's one of those stories that, yeah, on the surface, it is definitely nostalgic for a lot of people. But I think it says a lot about, um, you know, you brought up religion and just the way that we worship nostalgia or worship even like technology or um, just the way we get lost in things, if that makes sense. Oh, I mean, Wade certainly worships the Oasis. He certainly worships Halliday. I mean, he has... He calls it his grail diary, but I mean, it's, it's the freaking Bible of, of his era. Um, okay. Tyler, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I am. Now these don't have to do with ready player one, unless, you know, unless that comes to mind. So just whatever comes to mind with these questions, who is your favorite fictional protagonist? Definitely not Wade. (laughs) Uh, Um, Wade sucks. <laughs> uh, like, like truly, I I loathe right. Wade. <laughs> um, favorite fictional protagonist. Um, I really like Ray. Yes, I love it. Why? I, why? I really what do you love like, about I I mean, I love the so the back to Star Wars real quick. Uh, there's not like a protagonist in the prequels, right? You can't say like Anakin was the protagonist because right. he kills the younglings and he kills the Sand People and right. he abandons his mom. Um, so there's like, there is no main character and then Luke is great, but is he (laughs) Ray, man, that's a character. She's got depth and you're like invested in her story of, you know, what is she going to do? Actually, I take it all back. I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I like his, (laughs) his Peter Parker specifically in, uh, homecoming and i'll tell you why one of the issues that the other spider-men have had and he even has in far from home is that they don't always choose to be spider-man but what makes peter parker tom holland's peter parker and homecoming so good is that he's almost like a starving artist to be spider-man is like he will do anything to be spider-man at all times. If it is the choice between him going to the prom with the girl that he's always liked or going to the debate team finals, which is super important to him, or being Spider-Man, he always chooses Spider-Man, which I think is such an incredible and interesting facet of that character. Um, so I, I really, really like Tom Holland's first outing as Spider-Man. Okay, who is your favorite fictional villain? Thanos. Why? Because he wins. Like, honestly, it's... A lot of people like Darth Vader. Uh, I've I've never been... I know that I love the prequels, which are about how Vader came to be. I've just never felt like... This is a weird thing. I've never felt like Vader's costume did it for me. So, like, I don't know why. I just don't think it's that menacing. I think it looks silly. It's got, like, the switches on the front. I always <laughs> thought that was funny. Um, I really like Palpatine. I think that he is a genius in the way that he, you know, manipulates everybody through everything. Um, but I do think that I don't know. There's there's some weird writing there, 
but Thanos is great. He wins. His like motivations are clear. He's like, I can see where people would sympathize with him, even though I think he's totally wrong, which I think also speaks to like his value. That's like the Hitler thing, right? Where it's like, ah, I could see if you were a German in 19, whenever, then you would understand where he was coming from. But I can't see that. What they did was insane. But you know what I'm saying, right. right? Yeah. Obviously, it worked. He was able to convince many people. Okay. What is your favorite film score? Um. Oh, dear. I've always... There's a lot that I like. Uh, but when I think long and hard about it, if you were to look at, like, what film score has been played the most across, like, every MP3 player I've ever had, I would say probably The Incredibles. Yeah. Um. I was... Incredibles came out when I was a kid, and I played trumpet, and the lead trumpet player in Incredibles is a really talented musician named Wayne Bergeron. And like people don't play trumpet that well and that good and that cool. Uh, like it's a very select group of people and he's extremely good. And uh, that was always just like a huge deal for me. So I would listen to the Saving Metroville song over and over and over again. And that would that's always been like one of my favorite film scores. I haven't listened to it in a long, long time, but um, that's probably what what stands is the most played but i don't listen to a ton of film scores just by themselves i wish i did it more it's just i listen to so many things between books podcasts and then like my own passion for music in general that it's it's tough to find time yeah i love that score i think michael giacchino has this awesome mix of like james bond plus superhero feel to it all you know what i mean like it's got that yes 60s yes spy vibe to it plus it's a superhero movie it's i think it's fantastic yeah i would completely agree with that and he did lost which is so good uh, right. i love everything about the show lost no i totally agree i think the lost score is very underrated and it really put him on the map anyways but okay what actor should play the movie version of tyler carlin oh gosh oh my gosh Oh God! How, that, this this is like an existential crisis because the question is how old do I think I am and how old do I think I look? Right? Because on one hand it's like, oh well, I really think uh, Tom Holland does a really good job. He's a really good actor and he's like a, a young looking, handsome guy. You can do a lot of stuff. He's proven himself in a lot of ways. But at the same time, you know, he has a youthful face. Jason Sudeikis is a is a, is a he's a great actor. He, I think that's a whole generation older than me though. I really do. Um, oh gosh, who would play me in the movie of my life? I don't know, Casey. Who would you pl- who would you cast to play me? I don't know. I wrote that question and I was trying to think of it, and I was like, that is kind of a hard question. So it's not very fair of me to ask it. But <laughs> <laughs> I know my I, my dad. I know this is invaluable to the question, but my dad always says that he would want Chevy Chase to play him, like a young Chevy Chase, like oh, yeah. uh, Vacation Era. But my dad literally is Steve Carell. Uh, so I don't know why he says anything else, but that's the closest answer I have. <laughs> that's okay. Well, we can keep thinking about it and, you know, even in okay. weeks to come, if you think of, it, oh, I thought of it, I better tell Casey. <laughs> I thought of it. Yeah, I better call him up now. I like uh, Ansel Elgort. He's got a youthful face. He's a little, like, too handsome to be me. Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to, I'm going to, hot take here. I think you're more handsome than Ansel Elgort, Tyler. I really do. <laughs> I okay. Whoa, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Now I got to think more. Oh, man. You know how I really like as an actor that I don't feel like... I know that he gets a ton of praise, but I really like Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, oh, oh yeah. you know what? I really like... Uh, he wouldn't play me very well. You know who would do a good job playing me? Because like, when I think about me in high school and how awkward and things I was, uh, I think Ben Platt would do it well. 
okay yeah the dude from yep. dear evan hansen mm-hmm. and the dude from uh like the weird dude in pitch perfect i think yep. he could he could portray my life you know i totally um, see that i think you're right yep and then who's the other guy from pinch perfect that i like that i think is so funny uh not skylar aston although i do like him uh, uh the other dude come on the dude uh adam devine i like him oh okay i see you i think i could see ben platt more than adam devine for you i would agree i think that that matches my level of 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 awkward in high school <laughs> okay the next question so because your show is called bacon and eggs what's the best movie to watch first thing in the morning you know i've been thinking about that a lot lately because we do the breakfast food thing but then i'm thinking about like shifting it to like what if it was just like is this a good movie to watch right when you wake up (laughs) (laughs) as breakfast Um, is it a good movie (laughs) as yeah and like with with your meal is it enjoyable to watch first thing in the morning good thing to watch you got to go with something that isn't too aggressive but will wake you up um so something that's got like a good crescendo of tension Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> you know, you know what movie I honestly think would do well at the breakfast table is The Breakfast Club. I feel like it's it may be a little too casual at some parts, especially like when they're sitting in the library chatting with each other. Uh because that probably just put me back to sleep. I don't know. There's so many movies I have to watch at breakfast time because we do bacon and eggs, and like finding two hours to watch a movie at night is so hard. Yeah. Um, that I don't know. Oh boy, that's a tough question. Okay, you know what? You know what starts what, with some good action. Go for it. Go ahead. No, you go. I for was going to say starts with some good action, but keeps you hooked with some some then quiet parts is a new hope. So then, what's the worst movie to watch first thing? Baby Driver. Bow <laughs> <laughs> bow. <laughs> Just too much, huh? Too loud. Too much. Blues explosion. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> It is a whole lot first thing in the morning. All right, last question, and this is a hard one. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You've probably already given it a lot of thought. So now that you're a father, will the Star Wars movies be a part of your daughter's life from the beginning, or will you hold off until she's older and shock her with the I am your father twist? I I truly don't think that there is, like in the age of Connected, I don't think that there's any way to avoid it. I would rather, if I can find a way to do it where... I can still have the twist, but at a young enough age that she's still hooked. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's any way to, to avoid the twist. Right. Uh, I really don't. Cause I think a few weeks ago, maybe it was a few months ago. I think you posted on Instagram. You were watching star Wars while you were holding her. Right. I mean, obviously she's not watching it yet, but (laughs) right. She has no idea what's on the TV. And if she is, she's, you know, not absorbing anything. She's like, Oh, what's English. Right. Uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've, I've watched, you know, the Mandalorian with her and I've watched star Wars with her in the room. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. I have no problem with just having it on all the time. I feel like there's a big enough bank of like nerd culture movies that if you just had like a, I mean, like if you took Disney plus and turned it into a TV show where you just had like star Wars and Marvel and Harry Potter movies. So you're, we're adding, we're adding some Warner brothers in here, right? Just like playing on a loop constantly i don't think you'd ever look at the tv and be bored oh yeah there's so much content out there it, it just never ends right so i i feel like yeah I mean, you can throw in some like disney animated you can throw in all sorts of stuff but yeah i'm not i'm not too worried about it i don't know what the correct answer is i don't know how to like present it in a way that's going to be like <gasps> what do you mean he's their father i'd like because i can't imagine not knowing right yeah you know and i feel like if the twist is oh anakin is lord vader that's not very valuable at all. Like if we started at episode one, it'd be like, 
who's Lord Vader, you know? Right. <laughs> right. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll try. We'll try to keep the secret for her, but I really like Star Wars, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was impossible for us. There was no way I was going to be able to not have Star Wars on. You know? <laughs> right. Like, no, right. that's just, it wasn't even really much of a question. It just, it's just always on. It's Star Wars. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. That's That was the last question. Thank you so much oh. for, for coming on, Tyler. That was, uh, I could talk forever about Star Wars and nerdy things with you. So thanks for and, coming and, on. And Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm known for some tangents, so I apologize if I wasn't on topic the whole time. No, I was gonna uh, say I'm was, sorry. This was a go ahead. I was gonna say this was a blast. I very much enjoyed this. We could do this all the time. Every other week, Tyler shines elsewhere to talk about a piece of fiction. <laughs> I would uh, love that. <laughs> yeah, that would be so fun. Um this is a super, super fun. Thank you so much for having me. Um it it, it got me to I get very overwhelmed, like like we were just talking about with film scores. I get very overwhelmed every time I put my headphones on. I'm like, okay, I've got two hours. What can I, uh, what can I listen to? Do I listen to uh, talking about? Do I listen to a different podcast that I like? Do I listen to a book? Do I listen to music? I haven't gotten to listen to music in a while. Uh, so I it encouraged me to like sit down and be like, you're going to listen to Ready Player One for four hours today. Yeah, and I was like, yay! <laughs> and that that was that was really good to have like a directed like you need to do this so yeah. i really enjoyed that and i've really enjoyed talking to you casey um yeah. i feel bad that uh, i wasn't able to turn all the questions back on you and be like well what was your favorite piece of fiction <laughs> tell me why <laughs> uh, I, I know but i knew that we were we were time constrained and i was supposed to be quote unquote the interviewee so uh, <laughs> yeah awesome thank you so much for coming out and uh, where can people find you on the internet plug Plug Tyler Carlin. What are you up to? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at AmeriCarlin. That's my personal Twitter and Instagram. Uh, or Bacon and Eggs is the show that I host. The ats for that on Twitter and Instagram are at Bacon and Eggs Pod. Or if you want to see everything that the Bacon and Eggs you know community is doing and putting out, uh, we have our own podcast network and we're adding shows. We have two shows active right now and we're adding six or seven wow um, as awesome. we speak yeah so there's going to be a bunch of originals and there's going to be a few shows that are already out that we're we're bringing in um and to see everything that's going on with bacon and eggs you can go to bacon and eggs dot media that's the that's the website oddly enough bacon and eggs media dot com is like a a different company that does what we do <laughs> Weird. <laughs> they, they make like ads and stuff for uh like other people but bacon and eggs dot media the website's slightly under construction right now because we are adding a bunch of stuff um but all in all it is uh you know that's where you can find us uh if you want to talk to me directly you can shoot me a dm on twitter or instagram or you can email me at bacon and eggs media at gmail.com i'm the one who reads those and that's that's where you can find me that's me awesome thank you so much now to close out our episode tyler will you give us a happy beeps Happy beeps. Happy beeps. Happy beeps. <laughs> Happy <Awesome>. beeps. <laughs>